podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to another episode of Scouser Tommy's on Anfield Index. I'm Jim Boardman and I'm with Jay Reed, and we're about to sort of have a look back over the last few weeks of what's been going on with Liverpool, what's coming up, what's going on with the club, maybe touch on what's happening in the city, have a laugh at the guys from over the park because there's always something to laugh at with them um, and if there's nothing to laugh at them, the current lot, you can always laugh at some of the, the former lot because they've given us some stuff to laugh at this week. But We've not been around for a while. Sorry, um, I got ill. I managed to catch COVID for the first time since COVID happened. So I've managed to avoid it for three years. Then I got it. So, um, you know, unusual things can happen. Maybe that's what's going to happen this season with Liverpool because as bad as it's been, Jay, we're on a, we're actually on a bit of a run. I mean, it's like, are we, are we sort of, are we tempting fate to try and dream about actually maybe finishing in a half-decent position in the league? I don't know, but... Um, it's been a it's been a good few weeks, hasn't it? At least, yeah. Uh, since the last time we recorded, prior Leeds slash Grand National weekend, um, we we three out of three. Um, you know, we're we're not we're not by no means perfect in terms of you know we're not keeping clean sheets, but we seem to be outscoring teams, and you know, it harks back to the maybe rock and roll or heavy metal football of. The early clock era where it was, you know, what we'll just score more than you, and mm. it doesn't really matter how how we get the result, but as long as we win, we win. Um, I would say, as we record today, coming off, you know, the West Ham game last night, that was that was not easy watching um, at times, but I, I did feel as though we probably needed another goal just to settle it, and that was probably similar to reflection of the Forest game at the weekend. You know, we. We were sloppy in terms of giving them opportunities to get back into the game twice. Um, and I always felt like we just probably needed a two-goal buffer to make sure, you know, that the team was dead and buried as such. But, um, you know, three wins out of three. And, you know, you, you can't complain at the fact that we've started to climb the table. Maybe, you know, we've left it a little bit too late in terms of the ambitions and making the top four. But you never quite know in football teams can can have runs of good form and teams can have runs of bad form. So, yeah, I think it's the old cliche of literally we are going to take a game at a time. But if we look after our own results and we do the business and we've seen Liverpool underclock many times, go on end-of-season runs for, for unbeaten spells, put together six, eight, ten, twelve game-winning streaks. So if we can wrap up this season with, I think it will be an eight or nine game win streak uh, if we won every game and by all means it's possible in terms of the fixture list, then, you know, we, we've only got 
the best opportunity that we can give ourselves to, to get a decent position in the league, whether that be top four, I'd say the chances are slim. But if it's European football and it's in the shape of the Europa League, if you finish fifth, I don't know if it's now awarded to sixth or not because of the two Manchester clubs in the yeah. FA Cup final. Um, you know, are we actually thanking the Manx for doing us a favour and possibly giving us Europa League football? Who knows? But it would be nice just to get, you know, at the, at the very least, Europa League football because it's a trophy that that Klopp's not won. Um, surprisingly, like we got to the final in his first season, but we didn't win it. We lost to Sevilla um, in quite a disappointing game. But it's still a, a prestigious trophy in terms of, you know, European value. We've won it a few times. You know, I've got memories of 2001 and the famous cup travel season and, you know, we wrapped up five trophies, I think it was, that season. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, you look at the, the teams who were, who were currently in the Europa League semi-finals, you know, Manchester United got knocked out by Sevilla last week um, to a lot of people's surprise. But, you know, Sevilla, no mugs. Uh, Roma, um, who was it? Uh, Feyenoord were in there. You know, I think Juventus are possibly lingering around that sort of... Um, the semi-final stage of it, so you know it's it's not it's not bad by a Leverkusen, of course. Uh, Javi Alonso's uh, managerial career is is going off to a, a stormer, so you know you're not you're not looking at mugs, you know you're looking at prestige European teams. And if we were to say this time in a year we were looking forward to a semi-final against one of you know Juventus, Roma, either Sevilla or Leverkusen, then. You know, it it would be you know potentially a famous European night. So yeah, let's let's give it a shot if we get to that. But we we can only do our own business, as I've said. Yeah, I mean, I I think I mean it's been a while since we've been in it, and you know it's always the joke about the Thursday nights and all that kind of stuff. But I think I think the the level now of the Europa League has slightly gone up because UEFA cleverly made this thing that was like a non-league version of the Europa League. UEFA Europa League, didn't they? The, the um, the Europa Conference, whatever it is, which just sounds like another excuse to get more money. But I think what's important for us is that we're playing the games. The last time we weren't in Europe, I'm not sure when it was, but there's just one thing that sticks in my mind is that we had such gaps between games that we almost got stale. And I think like managers moan sometimes that that there are you know you've got too many too many games in a season and all the rest of it. But to me, if you've got if you've got enough plays in your squad and you and you, when you rotate properly and all the rest of it, then it's good to have that constant flow of games, you know, a game every every three or four days. Um, you know, you can you can sort of blend one team into the next. You know, you wouldn't probably put the same eleven out two games running very often. And if you've got a deep enough squad then, you know, you can still put a decent side out even if you do make a few changes every game. But of course that I don't know. That that of course all depends on us actually bothering to go out there and do some sort of business this summer, which Wherever, wherever competition we're in, from a European perspective, to me, we still should be looking at the same kind of targets because I know there's not as much money in the Champions League, but you know that's only one of the four things you, you compete for in a season if you're in it. So Europa League, not as prestigious, so what? You know, you still got the opportunity there. I'm sure players will still want to come and play for us. You can maybe, um, you know, we need to be getting back challenging for the league and stuff again this season isn't anything like what we want and when we were just talking when we're talking now about um you know would we be happy with the Europa League place we'd be fuming at the start of the season if we knew that was what was going to happen but I think the season we've had and the way we've been I think you know 
that's an achievement. But, um, you know, take every game as it comes. If you can keep winning, then who knows where we'll be. Because the only thing we can do is look after ourselves. And I think we can definitely get top five if we do sort ourselves out. We win all of our games and then it's just down to what other people do. Um, But as you just mentioned in there, I think, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I've got mixed feelings on the way we're playing at the minute because I hate not having clean sheets. But in a lot of ways, I do prefer a kind of 3-2 or a, a 4-3 to a 1-0. To a you know, um, it doesn't do you good. I mean, as you say, watching the game last night, you're sort of on edge. But we haven't had a clean sheet um, since we played Chelsea and we drew, when we drew 0-0. And I think at the time, they were a better Chelsea than they are now because they've not added the famous Frank Lampard. So, you know, um, you know that was a draw. We drew against Arsenal. And then since then, these, these three games in a row, we've won. And I think all three games are games we could have lost easily. Um, I mean, Leeds, you think, yeah, we should beat them. But we beat them 6-1. And I think that was a good sign, you know, which starts to show the confidence. Um, I don't remember much about the game, to be honest, because I was pretty rough at the time. But what I do remember is, like, looking at the score sheet at the end and seeing all those names, Um we might have complained all season about the midfield being shite and lacking any any quality, but it's we've not just got a front four back. I mean, we had four scoring that night, but you know we've got because um, that night we had Gakpo, Salah, Jota, and Nunes scoring. Um, Salah and Jota getting a couple each. Obviously, Bobby wasn't wasn't there, but we've got we've got a, we've got a good forward line at least, haven't we? And now they're all fit, hopefully, because I don't know whether Jota would have taken any. You know, if there's any long-term damage to Jota when he got hit in the back last night. But this, as much as we complain about the lack of midfield, we can't fix the midfield and then not have a decent front line, can we? No, no, I think, you know, we we bemoaned the fact for years like we relied on Salah, Mane and Firmino. Um, I was like, well, you know, you've got Divock there and, you know, he might show up for the derbies and, you know, maybe European Cup semi-finals or other other big occasions, but across a you know a, a sixty game season as it was last season, um, you know you, you're looking to the bench. Obviously, we, we did reinforce with Diaz in January, but you're looking at Divock and even like to his credit, Taki Minamino, he like it didn't fill you with you know the hope that this lad's going to come off the bench and you know give you a a shot at winning a game or you know clawing your back into it. You you were more thinking, well. He might do it, but the chances are he probably won't. Where you know, across the last few games, like we've had a consistent sort of lineup in in terms of the front three being Jota, Gapo, and Salah. But then having Nunes and Diaz, and up until uh, Forrest, we have Firmino as well on the bench, and it, it's strong. Like it fills you with hope that you know, okay, we might not be any great chicks in midfield. We might still be leaking goals at the back. However. You know, if if we if we're in a game with half an hour to go and we might need a goal, well, you've got options there to change it up. And there's probably not many other teams around the league. Even if you looked at Man City, you know, like you know, lauded as the best team in the world, you know, because Everton's legal and above board. But it's Haaland and Alvarez as their strikers, and then you know, I'm not saying Foden, Mares, Grealish are no good. Because they are, they're obviously good players. But I would say, you know, I'd feel as though, you know, coming off the bench in in Nunes and Diaz last night, I'd fancy yourself to get more of a goal than, you know, maybe if Grealish was coming off your bench. Foden has been a bit hit and miss this season. This 
this is a bit of a weird one with him, but you know, not many other teams have got the strength in depth up top. You know, Chelsea can't buy a goal. Tottenham, Son and Kane are you know very hit and miss at the moment. You know, Newcastle have got Wilson if he's fit and Isaac. That's probably it for them. And you know, Arsenal went went months without Gabby Jesus and managed you know to get by with the goals of Saka and Martinelli. But when you know, things started to dry up for them in recent weeks, then they really have not got much else. So, yeah, same with United, Marcus Rashford. You know, he had a few games out and all of a sudden United had a, ro- a wobbly patch. So, I think we're in a very healthy position in the forward line and, and seeing them all across the last few weeks on the score sheet, Mar- barring Diaz, because he's literally just got back into the team. Uh, it is good to see it and fills you with, you know, the confidence going into these last few games and and going into next season. You know, we, we're probably well, we are losing Firmino, whether we replace him or not. That remains to be a question that's answered in the summer. But if we are to roll into next season with Salah, Gakpo, uh, Jota, Diaz, and Nunes, you know, there's five lads there who you all know can get you the goal at any time. So. It's one area of the pitch that you think, right? Well, we can we can feel a bit relaxed about that, and yeah, we, we spend the money if we are going to spend any money in the summer in the areas that really, really need it. Yeah, because I mean, you're saying like we we can relax about the front line, but that's that's the thing about having so many good players for, for so you know more players than you need for those positions, basically for one you know for a starting lineup is that as, as soon as you start to struggle. There's someone breathing down your neck going to take your place off you, and if you give your place up, you might you might wait a while to get it back. It's the old classic thing in football that you know players don't want to lose that that place in the starting lineup. They they understand about being rotated and things, but you know in their heads, if they're the main man in that position, they expect to stay that way. But obviously, it, it it's too easy when they've not got enough competition that they think you know they expect it without feeling like they've got to do anything for it. And I think. Diaz right now has got a big job on his hands to sort of get Jotter out of the way, um, you know, the way that we're sort of lining up at the minute. So, and it's good to just have the options as well. You know, if, if he wants to play four in a game, which he does from time to time, he can. He's got the four to do it. Um, the only, and also then he's not having to put someone there that maybe maybe that's not their position, you know, playing up front. Like we've had Ox playing up there at times this season and um, other players who aren't really these days suited to one of those spots. And that's what we've had to do. Um, but that also makes me think about someone we were just talking beforehand about, um, you know, the reintroduction to the side of someone who's a bit like Harvey Elliott, who's kind of gone a bit quiet recently. Um, the player were like, where does he play? You know, what is his position? What is he? Is he a midfielder? Is he a front man? Uh, Curtis Jones, local lad. Um, it was looking like his Liverpool career was done because we just weren't seeing him. Even when he was on the bench, he wasn't getting on the pitch. Um, and when he did play quite a bit, we didn't see a lot from him as if, you know, it, it, it was a big ask to get him to suddenly get up to speed when he wasn't getting games, but he's been getting games. And in my view, I mean, okay, there's still a lot, there's, you know, he's still not a polished diamond, but there's a player there, isn't there still? You know, that player we saw, who gave us such promise really at the beginning when he started to play for us and what we'd heard about him from playing for the under-23s and that. This isn't not, this is not a bad player. Um is he playing where we should play him? Is that the best he can hope for? Because to me, you can't stick him in the front because he's not hes not at the same level as those lads. Again, it's the, <laughs> the massive enigma, you know, that what is Curtis Jones? Um, <laughs> like, 
I, I still don't know. And uh, my mates will go to the match with, like, when, I think it was, when the Leeds team came out, I think maybe that was his first start. I, I could be wrong. Maybe it was a game before or not. Um, somebody will probably correct me on that. Uh, but he said, like, this is it now for Curtis. Like, I, he said, I would start him every game from now to the end of the season and see what he's got. If he's good enough, you know, he'll be there next season. If he's not, we put him in the shop window and somebody will maybe see something. You know, we might have to take a step down a level or, you know, go abroad or whatever. But this is Curtis Jones's chance. Like he's been handed the shirt and say, like, right, well, that's your shirt for the next 10 games. And if you're good enough, you keep the shirt for next season. If you're not, then unfortunately, like, you know, it's time that we you know, accepted everything and we cut our losses and, and we moved on from them and, and whatever. But um I'd say with each passing game you see a more of a of an influence and maybe seeing more of what Curtis Jones can do it. I still think at times there's Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must have fan threads. Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. There's, there's flaws in this game. I think he, he can occasionally take you know one or two touches too many. He kind of wants that extra second or two on the ball. But you know maybe that's just the, the type of player and person he is, that he, he just backs himself and sometimes it's backing yourself too much that you can, you know, lead yourself into trouble. But with games and experience, you know, that'll probably maybe be sort of weeded out of his game a little bit. But I think in the games he's played, he's probably been our best midfielder. Um, I think last night he was exceptional in terms of his, his winning back of the ball, his work race especially. And, you know, we, we've we've bemoaned the fact that this season, what we're lacking in midfield is legs more than anything you know like that was the strength of, of Jordan Henderson his, his engine to get around the pitch that was the strength of Fabinho was you know covering the full backs mm-hmm. all the time when obviously they were bombing forward and those two lads especially it just looks as though their legs have just run out it just looks like there's too many miles on the clock and you were sort of hanging yourself out there to be shot at in, in, in field and those two lads in midfield and then when when you had the quality of Thiago and Yes, his technical ability is far superior than pretty much anyone else in the team. He also hasn't got the engine to get about like he used to because he's got a lot of miles on the clock. And, you know, he, one of my main bugbears um, is like is seeing Jordan Henderson press a goalkeeper. And last night, West Ham done it a few times where the goalkeeper was like, OK, off you come, Jordan, you come and you come. We'll dink that ball over your head. Yeah. Into the massive gap where you were, and that, and now I know we, we've we'll maybe get into the fact that Trent has sort of played an advanced midfield role, but I've said it time and time again for a few years. Like a clever team will just put the ball in that space and find themselves two v one versus Trent. Now whether that's 
Trent at right back, whether that's Trent in this hybrid six role, whether that's Trent in the, you know, right midfield eight or whatever it is. It just seems like we're hanging ourselves out to dry because poor Jordan needs a moped to get back in position and unfortunately Deliveroo don't run around on the football pitch. <laughs> um, but with Curtis, you know, that the left-hand side has been a little bit more functional in terms of, you know, you've got legs. I think it's no coincidence you've maybe seen a little bit of upturn in form in Andy Robertson in terms of what he's been producing in the last few weeks. Like he's... His delivery from corners has been a lot better, but his, his overall attacking output, the play down the left-hand side, seems to be more cohesive, whether it's Jota out there, whether it's Nunes or whether Diaz in the last you know couple of games coming on as a sub. It just seems to be a bit more functional and working. And I think a big part of that is down to the fact that he can get around the pitch because he's just a younger lad. But, yeah. but what is Curtis Jones? We don't know, but right now we're probably finding out that he's a useful part of the squad in terms of going forward. If he can replicate this form for the rest of the season, then I would have no issues in him being, you know, a part of the squad next season because it was a huge, huge question mark. Yeah. And I think when when we say what is Curtis Jones as well, I think as well with a team like Liverpool and the way we play, it's not like we we expect players to be kind of stuck in set positions because we, you know, you watch Liverpool team and you see players pop up all over the place I mean Joel Matic last night in fact Joel Matic last night if we're going to talk about Henderson he made this amazing run crossed the ball over and then Henderson messed up what could have been you know could have could have been setting Matic up for a goal but anyway um, you know Henderson's getting plenty of abuse at the minute and I think in some ways maybe that's not it's not his fault in a lot of ways because he is that player that he is the age he is he's 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 got the experience he's got he does what he's always done and it's down to the manager really to say um this is what I want you to do now because now I know what you're capable of now I know how much you you struggle to get back and all or wherever else you know players have to adapt the games but you know a player can only adapt within the rules of what the manager tells him. And if I'm going to be critical of anyone about Henderson, I think Klopp and the coaching staff maybe need to deserve, you know, maybe should have some of the criticism because, you know, if they're telling him to do these things, he shouldn't be. And if they're not telling him to do these things, then they should be hauling him off and having words with him. Um, but yeah, you know, Curtis playing, um, he can play in a few positions. And I just checked, actually, he's um, he's played every game since Chelsea. So he's had... He's been in every started every one of our little run of five unbeaten. Um, played Chelsea against Arsenal, against Leeds, against Forest, and against West Ham. So um, it's not just a coincidence. But as you just mentioned, then as well, um, another thing's changed at least for the last few games, and I'm not sure about it. I'm sort of got mixed feelings on it. Um, and this is the new thing with Trent because at times it was amazing. I saw in some of the last few games when we've seen him, some of the balls he's put in when he's been in that midfield position have been amazing. You know, he, he puts great balls in, but it's given him the chance to get on the ball more maybe. Um, but then there's been times when I've thought, God, can we not just like have him back at, back at right, back again? Cause you know, especially when we're in front, you know, maybe we're getting under a bit of pressure, you know, I mean, there's lots of ways to look at it. And if you're thinking positively, you know, the the best the best form of defence is attack sometimes. Um, certainly the way we can be at times. But I don't know. Mixed feelings on it. Brad, you think it's a really, really good thing to see. You know, it's really nice to see. But I don't know. I can't help but feel it's a bit of a, a bit of a phase, a bit of a fad that, you know, eventually it'll just be another way to get to find weaknesses in what we're doing and teams will see it and it'll all fade away again. I might be wrong, but I just don't feel like it's something that's going to go on 
forever and not as obviously as it is now i mean it's not kind of a subtle thing he's he's making that move into the center and you know i'm sure teams will just i'll just deal with it i think i pushed for this <laughs> on the last pod um as you know what what we got to lose in terms of you know put trent into midfield yeah um and yeah i, I totally get where you're coming from in terms of it does feel like we're putting all the cards on the table here and saying like, well, this is what we've got. And if you've got a better hand than us, then you're probably going to, you know, mm. outfox us and do us. And yes, better teams will punish us. You know, like I wouldn't fancy this sort of lineup, you know, against a, you know, a top end Premier League team um, with a, a rapid left winger who is probably going to cause you nightmares because, it's 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 basically suicide, um, and again, not to dig out the captain, but him and Trent are playing in the same position, and it was oftentimes uh, I noticed against uh, Forrest, obviously being being in the ground, as we've always said, you you see things from a different angle yeah, yeah. because a, a television will only show you so much. Um, there was occasions when you could have threw a blanket over Henderson and Trent in terms of where they were on the pitch. One would receive the ball, and it would be a you know maybe a sequence of two or three passes backwards and forwards and we're going nowhere. Like, you know, all you're doing is allowing the opposition to get into position to set themselves up, especially when Forrest come with that sort of setup in terms of a back three slash five, obviously with the wing backs and, you know, a deep lie in midfield. Um, you know, you, you're sort of not doing yourself any favours. So my my opinion of is, you know, you don't need both of them there. I'm sure there's a reason why there is, and whether it's you know the fact that Henderson will do dummy runs and stuff like this, and allow himself to go wide right, which will allow Salah to come in field. I'm sure it's probably part of the equation, um, and maybe you know he takes a runner with him, which would then allow Trent to have more of the ball, and that's fine against a poor opposition. Um, but you know, as I said, a rapid left winger will figure us out. I do think we could deploy Trent there in the role of a midfielder. Yeah. But then I would like to see a right back in. Like whether the like, you know, I don't think we've got maybe Tottenham at the weekend you could argue might be one of our more difficult games um in what we've got left this season. But I wouldn't be averse to seeing Trent line up in midfield per se with Joe Gomez as, you know, a functional right back. Um which then in turn if you wanted to, you know, you you could then allow that to become a free across the back and push Andy Robertson up. Yeah. And in, in essence, you've got a back three with two wing-backs. And then if you've got, a, you know, Trent land up in field with Fabinho and Thiago, in essence, you've got a 3-4-3 three, three formation. You know, it's allowing functionality between positions and tactics. So it wouldn't be something, again, I wouldn't not like to see. Um, we've got no harm in, in trying it. But yes, I do agree that it might just be a phase and we might have discovered that it's an option that we can use in, in future games. But yeah, I, when we get our noses in front in games, I just think for 10 minutes, why are we not just saying, you know what, you just park yourself back there 10 yeah. or 15 yards and we'll just hold on to what we've got because you're most vulnerable when you take a goal lead or whenever you score, you're most vulnerable because you're so hyped up with adrenaline that you know, that can lead to errors and mistakes. We saw it last night with, uh, you know, Jared Bowen got in and, you know, 
it could have been a whole different ball game that game. But you know, as it wasn't, as it turned out, it went the other way. But I'm not averse to seeing it. But yeah, I agree with you that it it might just be a fad. But why not for the rest of the season? Again, like we we've got nothing to lose because where we are, we've we've blown our chances of anything that we really actually wanted at the beginning of the season. Is basically fighting for the scraps of places now. Yeah, I think. Um... I'm the same. I mean, I, I, I mean, I said early on in the season when we were struggling with, with the midfield. Why don't we just give, um, give Trent a go in midfield? Why don't we just find out what what will happen? Um, especially when we had say Joe Gomez around to, to as you've just said yourself, just to be the other right back and things. But I, I, I it's that thing about leaving the like leaving the back door open. But it's strange in a way because Trent gets so much criticism when he is playing as an out and out right back, if you like, the way you, he would normally do, that he leaves he leaves us open at the back. But that's because he's attacking. And in a way, um, I feel this is taking some of the pressure off him because if he's in midfield like he's been told to be and someone does get round where Trent would be if he wasn't in midfield, it stops being his fault. So that's one of the sort of upsides to it in a way. But... Um, the thing about him sort of playing there is, I just I'm just trying to think, imagine how different it would be if the guy who was in midfield rather than Jordan Henderson was was Stevie G back in his back in his heyday, um, because Stevie G had the brain, the you know he had the 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 speed and the strength and and the skills and 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 the the sense if you like to sort of realise that if Trent's up there, then there is going to be a hole at the back and he needs just to have one eye on that if necessary and get over and cover and um, you know maybe. That's what we've got to work on in training is just getting players to realise that when we're playing this way, just have an eye out because there's a bit of a hole opening up. Um, but yeah, I mean, Curtis looking promising, Trent in his new role promising. Um, we never saw anything so far. Was it, is it Ramsey, the new right back that we signed? We've not seen anything of him yet. Um, Young Gordon's lad. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, I mean... It's it, it, that's the thing. I think when we get, if we do get a decent right back, who can come in? Um, like we've got Simicast on the left, so we know if Robbo's not not doing well or needs a rest or needs to kick up the arse, even you've got Simicast who can come on and do a decent job. We need another one of them on the right for me. Um, but you know, it's about prioritising, isn't it, with the transfer market? I mean, I've not seen. Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a tad predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa, he does Anfield Index. He presents a tad predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL Roundtable, they're every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. Any rumours that are really particularly credible about transfers lately? Um, I think interesting though. Last night we can um, so like as, as as well as having a game of football against West Ham with loads happening. Um, there was someone in the crowd, wasn't there, which was interesting. Someone watching from afar. Um, the man who ultimately decides for how much 
money we can spend. You know, the guy who, he might not actually write the checks, but it's him who has to sort of rubber stamp them. John Henry was in the crowd. So a bit of a strange one, isn't it? We were saying beforehand, because you normally see him at Anfield and he's sort of, you know, he turns up at Anfield, takes his seat with his with his wife and with his um, his sidekick, uh, Tom <laughs> Werner, and, you know, just sort of makes his presence known. We've not seen him for ages, and then he turns up and he's at an away game. Um, but then there was talk about new sporting director being sort of lined up now, getting close on that. So, I mean, what's going on with him? Yeah, I mean, well, it, was, it was a surprise to everyone, I think. There was no no sort of rumours. Like, obviously, you say... He, he normally turns up for the Glamour Games, you yeah. know, two or three times a season. You know, it might be the Derby, it might be United at home, City at home. Um, you know, brings Linda along, gets the private chess out, and you know, let's have a quick dash of Liverpool for the weekend. But you would then know, like you know, it'd be well documented in the in the press, like you know, John Henry's here this week, and sort of you know, make sure your your hair's combed the right way, and your shirts pressed nice and clean, and your shoes are polished, sort of. You know, the boss was coming in like a, an inspection sort of thing. And there's no way yeah. he could make a secret trip to Liverpool because <laughs> as soon as one person <laughs> oh. sees him, we all know, don't we? Oh, yeah. Um, but this was very much out of the blue. Like, I'm sure, you know, you, you have these cameramen who work for the TV companies who basically have a game of Guess Who and they, they scout the crowd to see who's there and, you know, can they pick up a, a famous face? Obviously, you normally see, like, you know, let's just say legends of the game at each club. So, you know, Kenny Daglish is often shown like, most weeks or the Ian Rush or, you know, John Barnes. Gerard was there at the weekend yeah. uh, at Anfield. So, it, it's to no one's surprise. But, yeah, seeing him last night um, was, um, you know, the obvious sort of thought out, well, what, what's he up to? There must be something coming because he doesn't show his face in England or, or in Liverpool unless there's something on the cards and, Obviously, we have got offices for the business side of things based in London. So, you know, the, the easy equation would be, well, he's he's over here to do some sort of business, if you want to put it in quotation marks, and that's why he's in London. And, you know, lo and behold, Liverpool are in London for the game. So it, it made sense. But Klopp was asked, I think, in his press conference Tuesday or Monday uh, regarding progress on a sporting director. And I think... I have not got the the quotes to to hand, but you know something along the lines of like, yeah, he's involved in the process of obviously he's going to have to work with the the person appointed in the role, um, but ultimately that's not down to him to make that final decision, and um, that's down to other people within the club. You'd imagine is it Mike Gordon, um, and Billy Hogan uh, are probably the ones who are ultimately making that decision. Um, so maybe we are close to that position appointments because if it is to come, you would like to think, you know, this this person is responsible for transfers. We are the 27th of April as we record now. So we've probably got the best chunk of five weeks of the season left. And then, you know, silly season starts. Obviously, you, you can't legitimately sign anyone, I don't think, until the 1st of July. But, yeah, transfers can be done. And the fact that it's gone quiet on most rumours, the optimist in me would like to say that Liverpool of old have learned the tricks. You know, like we, we've, we used to do things very stealthily and yeah. all of a sudden a transfer like Fabinho was the classic one. You lose the Champions League final one day, I remember, 
being um, being sat in the garden and the phone pings at like six o'clock at night. Uh, Fabinho interest or for be like the interest in Fabinho by about nine o'clock. There he was, shit and all done. Yeah, and you think, well, yeah, more of that, please. If if it's gone quiet for the reason of you know maybe we're we're getting our teeth stuck into a few players, then yeah, I'm all for it. Um, and I'm, I'd imagine you know the reasons why Henry's visited will probably be disclosed in in the coming days and weeks. But a pleasant surprise if it's allowing us to open the pair strings because yeah, we we do need it. I think it's the it's no secret, is it, Larry? What, what we need and. If he's the guy who's who's holding the checkbook or the the big sack of dollars as they are, then yeah, I wouldn't mind him dumping a few of them in Jürgen's lap to spend or the sporting director, whoever may that be. Yeah, I think one one interesting thing from what Klopp said was, I mean, he said he wasn't involved in the talks for the new sporting director. He said maybe the talks around it, yeah, but he's not the one who can give an answer on where it stands. Which, he, to be honest with you, that's a good answer to give, even if you're actually the one who knows damn well where it's all up to, because like you know get the press off your back. But the interesting thing is he's, he must have been asked, because I've only seen the quotes, I've not seen the questions, um, about whether Liverpool are going to continue with a sporting director. And he said, yeah, how many clubs don't have one now? Pretty much everyone has one. And that's because it makes sense. Um, you know, and he's sort of saying he didn't know how the guys used to do it in the past, talking around all the agents, constantly talking about a pound here and a pound there. Um, and it's right. I mean, football's changed, but it's always weird how whenever, whenever a player's bad, it's always the manager's fault for signing him. And I know, I mean, a, a well-run club, You know, the manager's not going to get the same surprise. You'd, he's not going to be sat in the garden, is he, and suddenly find we've signed Fabinho. He's going to know about it a little bit before that, and he can put his foot down and say, you know, chance, I'm sure. Um, but, you know, this, this, this thing, the press still seems to be, a lot of them still seem to be obsessed with the idea that it's the manager that gets to make all the decisions and it's not it, it's it's so much about a whole team thing and that's to me that's why Liverpool was so successful again is because we kind of got that sort of team off the pitch together the way that we did you know when I was growing up watching us and we had that boot room and there was like a big team it was um I mean although Shankly was famously dismissive of directors and so on you know we you know the way the club ran was that the boardroom was in good contact with with the managers and the managers coaches and although the manager had more of a hands-on thing in terms of scouting players and everything um there was still a lot sort of you know a team that got together to make sure we got the right the right people in and that's definitely what's helped us the last few years and what's been missing now so um you just have to hope they sign the right people and as you say john henry being there last night was a, was a sign of that. But the other reason John Henry could have been there, I was thinking, is it could just be because we were playing David Moyes and he knew there was a good chance that the game would end with, with David Moyes fuming about some controversy or other, just like the old days. <laughs> and that's what happened. I mean, it was amazing to see. Um, whatever happens in the game, whatever, whatever the fault is of anyone at all, Moyes' 100% focus is on a controversial refereeing decision. And, I mean... Your reaction to that, I mean, this is the thing I've said about Liverpool. When we do well, when something goes wrong, we react to it and we score and we get one back. You know, if we can, we did it last night, went behind, 1 2 1. That's the kind of thing I want to see from Liverpool. The reaction from Moyes and his teams, and I think it's sort of embedded in the lads across the park, is it's never their own fault. It's always somebody else's fault. And Moyes last night was fuming. You could see him watching the slow motion replays on his little uh, iPad. And he was fuming. It was good to see because it's just funny. Yeah, I thought like it was one of them 
situations where he, I wouldn't have been surprised if it was given. I didn't mm. think it was a penalty because at the end of the day, your arms are connected to your body and Thiago has to fall somewhere. Like if he's at that body position to try and make a block on on the ball and you know, he, he's he's naturally fallen to the ground. His arm's got to go somewhere, otherwise he's going to land flat on his face and do yeah. himself a damage. Gravi- um, gravity's a bastard, isn't it? You can't. So, <laughs> so you know, I, I, I'm thinking of, of situations recently where, like, you know, uh, Nottingham Forest versus United, and Harry Maguire was basically doing an impression of an elephant with his hand <laughs> attached to his face. And, you know, the ball was clear as anything, strikes his arm, and it was... I think described by Dermot Gallagher on the famous ref watch on a Monday morning as a footballing incident where there's a lot of bodies and these things can happen. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know what handball is these days because there'll be a situation, as again, as we say, we're recording Thursday afternoon, so we've got three games tonight, including the famous Everton at Goodison Park versus Newcastle, um, which, will, for the record, I want Newcastle to win only because it, it could potentially win me some money and work. But <laughs> if Everton done them a draw, you know, it wouldn't be a bad thing for maybe our top four hopes. But at the same time, Newcastle beating them will put them once they're close to the trap door. So I'll take a Newcastle win. Um and yeah, it won't be it won't be their fault if, if they do lose tonight and it won't like, you know, the handball it'll probably be a handball in the Everton game. And it'll probably go against Everton, yeah. and it'll probably be the end of the world, and it'll probably be VAR's fault, and it'll probably be the referee, and it'll probably be because he's a cheat, and it'll probably be because Eddie Howe and Newcastle have got all these Saudi oil money, and they're paying the referees and all that business. You and can it, just and see it, it, but it will be our fault as well. There'll be some element of it that's down to us, you know. Maybe our, you know, yeah. it'll be, be our fault in some way. Unless they say, you know what, though, at least they don't get Champions League. <laughs> That'll be it. You know what? I don't mind if they beat us, beat us because as long as they don't get Champions League, the red shakes across the park, it's all right. And that'll be the mentality. Yeah, uh, you, you can imagine they were fuming after we beat Forest because they were like, they didn't know which way to react. Did they? You know, we 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 won, but we've done them a favour yeah. in terms of you know giving them. We've beat two of their relegation rivals, three of their relegation rivals, if you put it into yeah. context: Leeds, West Ham, and Forest, all within you know a couple of points grasp of Everton. And we've gone out there and we've done the business for them. It's a shame they can't do the business themselves. Yeah, but we, um, don't, we don't want your red shite favours. You no, we don't, want, we don't want our help. No, no, we don't want, we don't want your help. Like, <laughs> because, yeah, you're just rubbing in our faces that we, you know, we help them stay up sort of thing. We, we'll do it on our own terms. And if that means, you know, we have to we have to claw the dog out from the kennel and parade <laughs> them down the Gladys Street again, then, then so be it. I mean, I'm fully expecting red rum statues to be paraded down there because the dog was last season's news and, you know, Frank Lampard is currently dragging Chelsea towards the relegation zone. So what does Sean Dyche want? Does he want a real real life earthware gym or something because he's he's into worms or something? I don't know. Um <laughs> it'll be it'll be something. Um yeah, they'll they'll have to pull something up the bag and I'm sure, you know, if it's flares and banging the bus then you know, it'll be Everton sound because that used to be copyright behaviour, but Everton will do it differently. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't I don't really know. And at this point I'm at the, the full impression of I just wanna see them gone. <laughs> because it's getting to the point of that 
they go by each week and it's always someone else's fault. It's always someone something else to blame. And at the start of the season, I said, Lampard will take you down. He didn't because he got chopped before he, he you know, he, he could finish the job. But, you know, I think his record in his last 14 games, 13 losses and one draw across his Everton and Chelsea um, period. You know, who who is actually saying Frank Lampard is a good manager? Because if that was anyone else, they'd be lambasted. But Frank Lampard is, you know, one of the golden childs of English football. Like Steven Gerrard had, had an awful record and... He he was slated in the in the press. I, I can't see Stephen Gerrard getting a Premier League job if one was to come up tomorrow. No. He's probably gonna have to go down level or leave the country and go and you know play his trade elsewhere. But if Frank Lampard was to leave Chelsea, you can guarantee down well tea. His name will be rooted around Premier League positions in the next six to twelve months because it's Frank Lampard, and I just don't get it. He's been um, groomed for the England job, isn't he? I mean, as soon as Gareth Southgate quits, Lampard's the ideal person to go in. I mean, more fill them if, they, if, that, if that's what they want, because you know it's just well well noted. We aren't huge England fans at all, um, but yeah, uh, if he can pull off a waistcoat and an umbrella, then he probably gets the job, doesn't he? Yeah, and you know, and if he can shout at Klopp as well, I mean, I'm sure there's a section of the England fans would be happy with that because always shouts at a German. Yes, that's exactly it, isn't it? Um, but yeah, looking at the table, I say Everton. I mean, I've not. I sort of not. I mean, I I don't spend a lot of time looking at the bottom of the table, and when I'm I'm not being bragging to say that I've been quite lucky that we don't tend to have to look down at the bottom very often. But my God, it's looking bad for them down at the bottom. I mean, they have played one game less than Leicester, who were above them, but um, and Forest. So yeah, I mean, at, at the time of recording, at least anyway, they definitely need to beat Newcastle. And but even then, you know, there's still time for it to go anyway. Um, they don't look like a time that the team that had a bounce either when they got the new manager. They're not looking like a team that, you know, just needed a bit of arms around the shoulder. And then on top of all that, the the fans are turning on on Bill. Bill's having to write statements to the fans to say stop shouting at me and things. And it's it's funny. And the other thing is, like this time last year, we were talking about how on balance, I think we both said we didn't really want them to go down, and we were thinking about mates who'd who'd suffer. And I still feel for them, but. The way as a whole they reacted to all of that and surviving and the way they were when they came back, to me, it's going to do them good to go down for a year. It might kill them, that's the only worry, but I feel like they need it. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't look good for them in terms of, you know, teams around them are picking up wins. I think, you know, Forrest won last night against Brighton. Um, Leeds probably should have beat Leicester the night before. Um and I think Everton's only point of recent time was away to Palace, which, you know, Roy Hodgson, through to form after three wins, had to throw in a draw and then had to throw in a defeat this week. But that's that's how Roy works. But <laughs> I think they play Newcastle tonight, as we record. Um, so when this comes out, you probably do know the results of that game. And then they go to Leicester on Monday. And, yeah, speaking to, to Evertonian friends, that was the game last season where... They went there and they hadn't won away all season. I think all they made to have one win. I think it was Brighton. And they went to Leicester and they won. Uh, Michalenko's probably never at the ball like that in his life. Like the one against um, it was to do with Michael Keane when he scored that, that screamer. Like Michalenko mm-hmm. with a volley against Leicester and they, and they got all three points and won. 
Yeah. And that was sort of the, the tipping point for them that got them out the relegation zone and, you know, they, they clawed the way to safety. But I, I've often said this about any sort of team, like Burnley being the classic example, Southampton probably this season. If you flirt with that trapdoor year on year, eventually you're going to get sucked down. Yeah. And, you know, they've, they've done it for the last couple of years now. Like all the upheaval, all the, you know, the mismanagement of the club, like, you know, you, you think of like you get United fans out there with the green and gold scarves, like kicking off when they have a couple of bad results, and it's all the Glazers' fault and how badly run the club is. Go and have a look at Everton, because I tell you what, like you're nowhere near as bad as what they are. Like United are spunking money left, right, and centre on transfers, but at the end of the day, you aren't nowhere near as bad as what they are. And I do fear if if Everton go, whether it's this season if not probably next season um, or in, in a year or two's time to come I, I can't see them coming back up for a few years because they've been so mismanaged like you know the, the, the struggling in terms of financial fair play sort of legislation have they met the rules probably not have they got money from legitimate sources with the Usmanov connection to Russia and so on and so forth like there's all those sorts of question marks hanging over them. This massive stadium, which, you know, every time we see pictures of it, you think, oh, that, that's that's coming along nicely, pretty good, like, very impressive stadium. At what cost? Because yeah. it's not going to be a functional stadium like Tottenham Hotspurs, where you're going to have the NFL and you're going to have, you know, an underground Formula One cart and circus in there or massive concerts like Beyonce, for example, world mega superstar on the music scene is going and playing a couple of gigs down in Tottenham. With all due respect, Beyonce is not coming to Liverpool to play a gig in Bramley Moor Dock. You're not going to have, you know, the Tennessee Titans rocking up and playing a game at Bramley Moor Dock. Beyonce's not a bleak. There's no way Beyonce's a bleak. <laughs> there's literally, there's no other way they're probably going to fill that ground other than football, ta- football uh, matches. And if you're in the Championship, you ain't selling tickets to afford to pay for that ground, it's going to cripple them. It really is. And, you know, there's a, there's a devil on you thinking, <laughs> can't wait to see it. Can't wait to see this all play out because it's, you've begged and you've screamed and you've cried that you want you want your own stadium and you're the only true club in the city because all the local support Everton and all the, all the woolly backs and all the foreigners and all the day trippers support Liverpool. <laughs> but yes. you can't, you can't, you're not going to feel that. You're not going to feel that when you're playing Rotherham. You're not going to feel that when you're playing Stoke on a Tuesday night in the pissing rain in November. And you're going to be stuck in a cycle. I can see, I can see them being the next Sunderland. And, yeah. you know, how long has Sunderland been gone? Um, you know, we might be looking five years down the line as Ever Until I Die, Netflix documentary. It might be worth a watch. Yeah, that's it. That you know, Ryan Reynolds is probably the the, the best hope, isn't he? But I think he's got more chance of getting Wrexham to win the league, the Premier League, than can get in Everton. And when you mentioned Sunderland as well, I mean, I know, I mean, Liverpool since since these owners came in, they've they've tried to kind of make use of Anfield in the summer. And I know Pink played a gig there, the Rolling Stones, and there's been others. I can't even remember. I haven't been to any of them. So. Um, but you know it, it sells out. But it's what three, four gigs or something you're going to get over the summer. It's going to make you some money, but it's not going to. It's not life changing money for a club, really. Not for a club like Liverpool. And if Liverpool 
are only selling that many gigs with all the sort of commercial might we've got. And for all we criticise the club, there's some decent people working at the club. And if there was a way of getting big names there and getting loads of money all through the summer, they'd be getting them. Um, I know that this summer, Pink's playing at Sunderland's ground. Um, I only know that because we're going watching Sam Fender at St. James's Park and the hotel cost her off the off the scale um it's like 300 quid or something a night to get a hotel room in newcastle that weekend it's unreal um but yeah normally that that's probably the first time that the stadium of light's going to have a capacity crowd in in absolutely years because it was just sad watching sunderland games on the tv and just loads of those faded red seats that were empty because that stadium was big but the club wasn't big anymore it just wasn't getting the fans in they were struggling and that's what we're going to see at, at, at Bramley Moor, isn't it? It's just going to be um, a great advert for whoever made the seats if they don't lose the colour and don't fade, because we'll all see them. That's all we'll see, empty seats. Because, you know, as much as they talk about being well-supported and all the rest of it, I don't think they've been getting capacity crowds that long. Um, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm assuming they do nowadays. But, you know, a few years back, they weren't getting them. Not every every week. In fact, it's not long ago. I don't know if you remember this. Um, when they were sponsored by a mobile phone company, I think it was One to One, who I think eventually became EE. Um, I think it was One to One they were sponsored by. And they were offering half-season tickets free if you took out um, a, a new mobile phone contract. Yeah, you probably got them on, like, if you collected so many tokens <laughs> on the back of a Chang beer box that like you probably got, you know, a free season ticket or... You know, yeah, if, if you, you reach if you, if you reach the top level on Angry Birds, you can... yeah, or if you know what, what a steak or something like that, and the the, the betting firm, if you if you lodge so many, you know, quid in bets on them that you get, you know, a free half season ticket or something. But I'm sure the acoustics will be good, and you know, the resounding noise of booze, yeah, and all the oh, the fuck off your useless and cough I shite, all that that that'll sound great acoustically. Oh yeah, when um, they come out to the song singing, they don't care what the red shites say. Every week, yeah. that song that they sing. Yeah, um, but yeah, it, it, it's uh, it, it's it's William. <laughs> this is the best way to describe it for them. Um, just just on the music thing, we we've got uh, no gigs at Anfield this summer because the the extended Anfield Road end is is taking place. But I think mm. the idea is um, once that once that's done. Um, any anyone who's attended the musical gig at Anfield, so well, I think last year was the Eagles, Elton John, um, and maybe the Rolling Stones across like the summer period. The stage was the Anfield Road end, and you were situated if you were seated in the cop or the, the Sikeni or the main, and obviously the the pitch. I think the the idea is to flip it in right. future, so the stage will be the cop end, and. Obviously, the corporate hospitality in the Anfield Road and the main stand will obviously then offer a much more luxurious feel. If anyone's been to the Anfield, so you look in the cop end, they're not luxurious. Um, so if you are going to be hosting gigs and stuff, I think the idea is for that. So I just had a quick look then. Obviously, there's none this summer because of the ongoing construction work, but there is plans to also host other sporting events. So obviously we're we're a famous city for for boxing and mm. UFCs on the rise in terms of a couple of local fighters, um, Molly McCann and Paddy Pimlas have sort of raised the the profile of UFC in the city. So it wouldn't be a surprise that maybe in a year or two's time you probably see a summertime event of open air boxing or UFC at Anfield. And given the popularity of 
you know, that those those fighters mentioned and there's, you know, there's always boxers coming through in the city. It's a huge sort of sport and scene for boxing that there would be an event held on field um, for that because I'd imagine, you know, if you're looking at the, the Smith brothers or Pimblesses, they're massive Liverpool fans. The, the, the proud to say that they're a Liverpool fan, I think only Molly McCann is an Evertonian. Um, you know, if they're offered the opportunity, do you want to fight a Bramley Moore or do you want to fight at Anfield? I think they're probably going to go for Anfield. And not only that, if you're selling pay-per-views to the US in terms of boxing UFC. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super-fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, Mac boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Everyone knows what Anfield is. Bramley Moore could just be the, you know, you could be offering them a Mr. Kipling pie, Bramley Moore, rather than something like that. You don't, Americans aren't going to know what that is. Yeah, it sounds like an old sort of Victorian gent, doesn't it? Oh, yes, Mr. Bramley Moore. Um, it doesn't <laughs> sound like a football stadium. Um, I mean, it it's it is a shame that, that that that's happening to them in some ways, as we've said. But you know what? We've got to think of ourselves. And I think the big difference between this year and last year was the gap between us um, was much wider from most of last season. But we we're definitely making it wider now. Um, the sixth at the time of recording, we shouldn't be any different to that unless I've forgotten someone's playing a game. Um, I think we play Tottenham. They did Tottenham play tonight, so. Yes, they, they so, play United at home. So they could um they they could overtake us, but then we we'll have a game in hand on them if they do that. So um I mean it's in our hands. If you look at the table now as we record the game, um Villa are a, a point in front of us, but they've played one game more than us. Um it's in our hands to definitely get fifth. Um I do I do think fourth is out of reach. We do play Villa as well. Yeah, so even even more chance of, of keeping it in our hands, but yeah, I mean, looking at, I mean, United have, have played two games less and they've got six points more. So we're looking for quite a big swing there, which, I mean, the way they've played at times this season, they're definitely capable of it, aren't they? Um, the 7 0, for example, <laughs> against us, um, which we weren't very good at, apparently. Gary Neville said we didn't play well that night. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, in a way, I think it's just frustrating now. I look at the table now and I think, you know, you think of that gap and you think, the stupid games we've had, like the defeat to Bournemouth and so many other games this season. I mean, the game against City when we got we, we got hammered. I mean, I can kind of say, fair enough, that kind of thing happens. And when you're in a league title, that hurts more. A league title chase, that hurts more. Um, 
when you're trying to get in the Champions League, it's those stupid defeats that just let you down, don't they? And um, I've seen an improvement in Liverpool of late, but I'm still worried that we've sort of got this sort of attitude at times of we get ahead and we think it's done. Yeah, it's it's a it's a little bit of a, a nagging complacency thing in it that we've got. Um, just on the top four, I think Manchester United are probably our best shot at who we can chase down and overhaul. And I know you said like they've got two games and one of them tonight against Spurs. Like, would be no surprise to me given the Spurs results of the weekend that they would turn up tonight and. You know, it's at their own ground. Like, you know, they've gone through manager and coach and standing after standing. But if they turned up and got a result, but then I would also, with the same breath, fancy us to absolutely murder Spurs at the weekend, um, Sunday afternoon at Anfield. Like, we've seen some some real good games uh, against the bigger boys at home, especially. Like, you know, we're, we're pretty much unbeaten in terms of who's in and around us in that in that sort of area of the table like Arsenal City Newcastle United you know we've, we've done them all at home apart from Arsenal which was a draw but we should have beat them um, it is it's the it's the lesser games that do do worry you um, and looking at what we've got ahead we've got three games in six days at Anfield starting this Sunday with Spurs Fulham next Wednesday which I think is a catch up game from somewhere way back in the season might be FA Cup sort of time yeah. or something like that and then Brentford a half hour a week on Saturday I, I would feel very confident in the fact that's three wins there um, you know we've had issues against all them teams in the past and yes there will be times in them games individually where we're going to come under the cosh they've all got players who can't hurt you yeah. but you would like to think that, you know, the, again, without sounding too cliche, the power of Anfield, you know, like Klopp will call for it tomorrow in his press conference. He will say, like, he needs the fans. And he, he's right, because he does. And at times this season, you know, the likes of the Derby, the likes of Everton, even Arsenal, when, like, when that crowd gets volatile, when, mm. when Xhaka does stupid things like he did, and all of a sudden they are playing against 12 men. And that's not, the guy in the middle of the field in the black shirt or the guy who's sat in Stockley Park with his buttons on the computer. This is 55,000 people who want your blood. This is 55,000 people who will literally do anything to be in a red shirt and because they can't, they're going to do everything to make you feel upset and feel you uncomfortable and feel out of your comfort zone in terms of being able to play football. And if we can do that for those three games, you know, Half five, half four Sunday, lovely time. Eight o'clock on a Wednesday night, you know, not ideal, but we could harness some sort of midweek under the light atmosphere. And then half five next Saturday, I don't mind the half five games because people have had, you know, Tony's two pint rule, you know, get in the pub, have a couple of pints, yeah. see the three o'clock games, and yeah, and then go there with a little bit of fire in your belly. And yeah, give give it something. And if we get nine points from them nine, three games, I think we'd be very much in a good position to to maybe be, given those in the top four, very much cause for concern as to looking over the shoulder. But I feel as though at that point, we probably have got our noses in front of Aston Villa and then when we played them in a couple of weeks of our last home game, 
you know, it sounds sad to say, but it could be a, a Europa League decider. But if that's what we're going to take from the season, given where we were at times, I'll take it. And the other thing I was saying as well, I think I said this on Raw as well, is um, I hate those seasons where you've got like half a dozen games left and there's nothing to play for. You're not really going to... You're not going to qualify for a different European competition. There's, there's just no games left. Every every league game is just a case of going through the motions. And I mean, they just, I mean, you still go, you still watch it, you still, you still want to win, but no one can be asked properly with them. And um, even when it's like a game where maybe you can mess someone else's league title up, it just doesn't, doesn't feel right. So I'm just glad that hopefully whatever happens, we should be able to make it that every single game we've got left is worth something to us. Um, if we keep getting those points, definitely. Um, even if it is by by that last game, if it does end up being Europa League, fight fair enough. But you know, it could even be that we're, we're hoping for a bit of luck and a good performance from us, and we get ourselves in the Champions League. I mean, maybe um, maybe that lad from the back will come back and score a header and get us get us in the Champions League. Who knows? Um, just before we go. Um, as you were saying as well, I just you said before, and it's last time we're going to play in the white kit, and we won last night. Yeah, the cosmic soap, as I like to call it, yeah. it looks like a sort of oil slick slash you've put fairy liquid in, let it to sort of the bubble dissolve, and you've got this skim of oily soap on the top of your water. Um, I was never a fan of this kit, no, <laughs> but but we won. Um, I think. We've only scored three goals previously and I think it was five outings for that kiss um, and not won a game. So, yeah, it was nice to to put it on the shelf with a, with a victory and I'm sure the Anfield shop will probably be having a nice discount on it and, you know, they're, they're not cheap anyway. So if people do actually want to buy it, then you, you might want to pick it up. But I think in the, in the games to go away from home, Leicester will be wearing red and then Southampton the last day of the season we were in the green kitchen, which I'm actually a real fan of. I just think it's a yeah. real nice, nice colour. Um, that's the problem that we have with these free kit scenarios now. Like we often do produce one nice one of the away kits, and that tends to be the one that we very rarely wear. But yeah, have you, have you seen? Yeah, it, have, have you seen the leak kits for next season? I've it's, seen um... the purpley sort of number <laughs> yeah is probably the best way to describe it it's sort of like looks like dialies of ribena whether james milner's had a hand in that i don't know could be couldn't it did that's we'll we'll find out when the press release comes out you know james james milner was we had james milner in mind um but that 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 sort of greeny colored one looks like if the leak pictures are accurate then i'm not looking forward to that green one it's like it, it makes the current white one Look good. The one that's the, the current toy money one look look decent. I mean that it looks like a glitch. The um the white and green one. Anyway, that's just my view. And I'm not that bothered to be honest with you. What what kits we wear as long as we we play well in them. Um, it's nice when we get a nice one. But if we don't, then just play well. Don't make us remember that kit and don't let us blame it on on the kit as if we're like Everton trying to find anything to blame but but ourselves. Um, and one other thing we alluded to at the start. How did you do in the Grand National? Uh, I had the police. I had the big dog, um, which I think finished fourth or fifth because I've got a big dog. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think that that was the best I did. Um, but I got me money back and a little bit of profit. Not much, but, you know, profit is profit in horse racing. And, um, 
yeah, I don't think anyone in I was in my girlfriend fiance's house know what it is. Sorry, I must apologise if ever she does listen. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were in her parents' house um, for it. We were down in, in the Midlands for the weekend, and I think everyone backed the big dog because we took our big dog with us <laughs> and <laughs> off he off he trundled. He was doing all right, and then he just didn't manage to to finish the job, but. Um, yeah, I think everyone come out of the weekend with a little, a little bit, a couple of quid in the pocket. So, so no major losses really. Yeah, I mean, I, I always end up being the one who has to put the bets on for everyone in the house. So at the minute, there's just wife and daughter living here, so um, they pick two each. I pick two, and I think I put thirty quid on because I had some money left in a Paddy Power account. Um, left me with two fifty. I think I, I think I got twenty quid back, but basically. Um, I paid for their bets, and I still pay them their winnings, so I lose out whatever happens, you know. Um, I only lost a tenner, I suppose. But putting six bets on and not getting any money back for yourself, I need to I need to revise this one of these years, but it keeps everyone happy, doesn't it? And um, I think it's it's just... It's, I mean, I, I think you're the same. It's something we all look forward to in this part of the world every year. Um, it's a laugh, if nothing else, isn't it? We just have a laugh about it. And um, Big Dog, yeah, that's something... Um, Takes it back to football as well. Maybe that's what Everton have been missing this season, a big dog to, um, <laughs> to do some defending for them. Um, they usually like them. Um, but yeah, it's it's a good part of the season anyway. Um, I hope you've um, enjoyed the show today. I hope you, you keep listening to us. There's loads of stuff on Anfield Index. Sorry we had a bit of a gap. Um, we'll try and keep the, the shows coming. And hopefully within a few weeks' time, we'll be doing a show where we're celebrating that Liverpool have finished in the top four. Who knows? But whatever happens we'll have a laugh we'll have a we'll have some fun and excitement and annoyance and anger and all the rest of it it's an emotional sport isn't it and for now though that is us thanks to jay thanks to you for listening and we will be back soon we hope you enjoyed listening to this anfield index show please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically there's nothing quite like fan engagement and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.